Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the Jelly Bean Edition. What's up, Father Nathan? Father Michael O'Loughlin, special guest who we'll uh, introduce in a second. Neighbor, neighbor-ish to our uh, our rectory here. Is this the first one we've done in the Easter season? No. Okay. I don't think so. Second. Second. Well, what was our last one out? Oh, um, planes. Evangelizing on planes. Yes. Yes. Is it doing it again? No, I can hear you. Okay. We got a. We got. I tried a, to give our mystery guest the <laughs> headphones, but he didn't like it. Yeah. Well, actually, is, I'm not hearing Nico right now, so I'm good. Nope, I'm good too. Although I, I can usually deal with it anyway. I, I really do think the echo slows me down. That's like the one big criticism I get on this podcast is, is Father Michael talks too fast. Yeah, and then you you do like you do lame podcasts. And <laughs> why are you always with Father Nathan? I mean, yeah. just those critiques. It's going to start delaying again. Anytime it makes that little squeak sound, it goes like yeah. It's like an electronic fart. It's like instead of the loon, we have a little electronic fart that just happens every once in a while. We were talking with a guy whose English is his second language, and um, he's learning certain words and doesn't really understand. But then um, one of the guys was explaining to a guy who English was his first language about the term making whoopee, and he thought that meant (laughs) farting. And that was really awkward because um, this guy's going to be hearing confessions in right. a little under a year, right? So <laughs> we, we had to, sure we had to set him straight. <laughs> this happens. I did have a I did have a, a priest, God rest his soul, Father Francis Vivona, who, like, if you meet him, you're like, this guy is in the mafia. I mean, he was he was in Vegas. He had our parish in Vegas, and he was an absolute trip. But he had and he had a heart of gold. And when I was in when I was a newly ordained priest. He would sit there when we'd have our conferences, and we'd always go out for ice cream. And he would say, "Okay, I'm going to te- teach you all of the the lingo that you might hear in confession." Oh gosh, I know. No thanks. <laughs> he'd say, "Do you know what this is?" And I, I, just, I have no idea, no idea what that is, Father. He'd explain it. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, do you know what this is?" It's like he's like Urban Dictionary. It was like Urban Dictionary. I missed mass. Oh, <laughs> disgusting. Do you know what that means? <laughs> Anyways, we should probably actually make the banter a little more. Since we have kind of a solemn topic today, <laughs> no, I mean like it, it's important because we're talking to somebody who who's in the nitty gritty, yeah, a bottom so, feeder, yeah. So what's what's the biggest miracle, Father Nathan, you've ever experienced in person? In person, like like the, that you've said that is definitely a miracle, and you you can prove from your own experience. Uh well. Yeah, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this. Okay. It's kind of a private moment. What is the second or third biggest miracle? That I became a priest. <laughs> that I'm still faithful. <laughs> um, Miracle, miracle, miracle. Yeah, nothing like the, that we're going to talk about. Okay. Do you have a... Well, I, I don't Oh, yeah, have... other than the fact that you were, like, healed by that little kid who came up to you and was like, Yeah. I hope your back gets better, mister. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, kid. And then God's like, your back is healed. Yeah. Uh, I think I already told that story, so I won't, I won't repeat it. But I, I think... You I did think, tell that story. I think my uh, my Jeep story, I haven't told yet, harumph. My, uh, there you go. 
So top of the hour. So during the great fast, I was, uh, and you know what? I've actually, I just thought of this today. I think I am coming to the conclusion that I'm just a pretty bad driver. Like it's it's not like that sounds so unmanly, and I want to be like a good manly driver. No, but I don't think I am. I, I think it's like I need to go to a a meeting or something like that for bad drivers and just start the being saying my name is Father Michael Lachlan. I'm a bad driver. Sure, maybe I just did. I just admitted it. And, um, but I was dri- I don't think that, I don't think this was my fault. Honestly, but I was driving down icy roads, flying down I twenty five, going in a Barbie Jeep. In a Barbie Jeep, so it's top heavy, and yeah, the tires aren't the best. Yeah, and I was probably going fifty five, which is twenty under, but it was icy roads. Right. I was on a straightaway, and if you know Denver, I was right heading south, right at Thornton. This Park isn't Road. NASCAR. I don't know what you mean by straightaway, but yeah, I understand. <laughs> there, there wasn't. There was no turns. It was I twenty five. Yeah. And I go from whatever listening to. Lord of the Rings on audiobook or singing along to Blink-182 or something, and then just pull a 360, like flying down I-25 in yep. my Jeep, pull a 360, go soaring off the freeway, go over this little gutter, run right into the grass embankment, go flying up it, like smash the front of the Jeep, do a 360 on the grass where the, there's still a bunch of snow on it, Whoa. and come and slide down and rest in the gully and like... I'm looking, I'm like facing the opposite way on the freeway and I'm seeing my Jeep, like I'm going to the right and I'm seeing the ground come at me and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to flip. Anyway, almost flipped, came back, rested in the gully. One guy came over, was like, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And I have a bad back, you know, herniated disc on the top, sciatic on the bottom. And I was like, that's, my back's dead. I was like, my, my Jeep is gone. There's, there's, there's no way I'm going to, you know, I need a new car. This one was gifted to me like maybe three months before. I need a new car. I don't even have the money right now to get out of this gutty. I'm like the gully. I don't even know how I'm going to get it towed. Like my whole life has changed. And I just sat there and was like, okay, Lord, like this is one of those, uh, another moment where, where you're going to have to get me out of this because I have no idea what's going to happen. So I get out of the car. My back's amazingly okay. That was like the first miracle. I don't feel anything, but I, you, you can think of whatever, you know, my mother. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I was all hyped up. Anyway, because, because I, thank you, adrenaline was pumping. And then I get out and I see the back, my rear passenger side tire is jacked up about 45 degrees underneath the Jeep. And I'm like, oh, well, there's, there's the first problem. And then I, I get back in the car. Yep. I was so close to the freeway, I, I actually called 911 because I'm like, if I slipped there, someone else is going to slip there and they're sure. going to come careening right into me. I call 911. She's like, we don't have anybody that can come over right now. It's going to be a bit. You know, and I, she said, would you want, let me, should I just call a tow truck? And I said, no, I said, I'll call a tow truck if I need to. I know how to do that. She's like, okay, I have AAA. So then this cop just pulls up, another car cop pulls up. He's a Jeep guy. The cop is, he looks at, and he's like, did you make those tire marks? He's like pointing up the hill. I'm like, yeah, those, I, I made those tire marks. He's like, well, I'm a Jeep guy. He's like, you mind if I try to get your Jeep out? I'm like, dude, you can try. So he tries for about 20 minutes. It's freezing cold. Um, he can't get it out. I can't get it out. Um, so finally this tow truck driver just pulls up and he's like, he goes to the cop and says, Hey, can I pull him out? And the cop says, yeah, sure. And then the cop comes to me and says, you know, I have no idea how how much this is going to cost. I'm sorry. I just let him pull you out. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Like, like I'll, I'll just have to do what I have to do. He pulls me out like tire zips back to where it was. My front bumper smashed it on the right side. Other than that, nothing wrong. Hmm. And the cop walks up to the tow truck driver and says, shakes his hand. Okay. You did your good deed for the day. And the tow truck driver shakes his hand, drives off, like got out for free. 
had a little like busted up like metal Jeep bumper on the front, drove home with a massive smile on my face. Right. Like feeling fine, Jeep is fine, drove it off, nothing busted. And like I know that there's all kinds of things that could explain that. Okay, Jeeps are just really strong. Jeeps are top heavy, so it that's why the tires were bad and so that's why you slipped. You know, Jeeps are pretty hardy. You're you're gonna be it's gonna be able to take that pretty well. And the but the front bumper was busted up. But I absolutely in the moment saw it as a miracle. Because that yeah. I, I, I totally thought my Jeep is gone, my back is gone, and I need a new vehicle I can't afford, all these things like that. And our Lord's like, Nope, you just had a little bit of faith and I'm gonna send you on your way. Yeah. Amen. And then while you were like doing all that crazy like flip stuff and up on the hill and whatever, were you just like and uh, pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang loves us too. And uh, when we go, our pretty chitty be pen, bang bang chitty chitty bang bang, our fine Ford Fender friend, bang bang chitty chitty bang bang, our fine Ford Fender, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty bang, yeah, chitty. I was not, but that is a movie reference of. That is incorrect, mystery guest. Is it Mary Poppins? He, he actually answered Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Nope. Is it Mary Poppins? No. Nope. That is incorrect. For those of you scoring at home, the answer is Ace Ventura <laughs> Part 2. Okay. <laughs> when he goes well, to Africa. What was the original? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That was the name of the movie. Okay. Yeah, but he, they, don't, they don't crash. They don't crash as much in the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I heard this hilarious story. This comedian, I listen to a lot of comedy nowadays, but there was this comedian who said he was on a plane mm. and he got sat next to this kid, this like five year old kid that was traveling alone. And he said, and at first he like as a joke, he leans over to the kid and goes, Hey, so you're a lawyer? Like kind of the, the things you'd ask any other person flying on a plane. And he says, And then the kid says to me, Do you like a bug's life? Like the movie? And he's like, I love a bug's life. And then so he says, We talked like a half an hour about a bug's life. And then like I thought, Man alive. Like I my my mentality, my maturity is the level of a kid. I want this conversation to end. It's making me feel bad because I've I've never had so much fun talking to other human being on a plane as I have about talking about a yeah. bug's life with a kid. And then the kid goes, Do you like quesadillas? It's like I love quesadillas. See? <laughs> so we talked for like another half hour about the glory of quesadillas. All right. I'm gonna stop talking now. Okay. All right. We're so, talking about miracles talking with about somebody miracles. who probably either works miracles or has had a miracle. Is that yes. correct? Oh, yes. I haven't even heard this story. So, you haven't? No. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've read, I've read, he's appeared in such magazines as, um, <laughs> what is that? What is the rule of life? Imprint or something? Imprint, yeah. So, I, I actually, he's appeared to- in uh, centerfolds and imprint. I do, I do want to. I want to start with one thing. So if you, if you, if I offend you, just tell me to stop. But um, so. I hate you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, if I offend you, I'll keep doing it. So I, I met Scott Collier probably twelve, thirteen years ago. Like when I first came to Denver, um, we call him Catfish. If if you, if you know him, um, so I met Catfish like thirteen years ago, and and you're you were just extremely entertaining to me and fascinating to me because just the you 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 kind of went through life different than most people like you you had a sense of adventure and you you kind of had the sense of uh you were freewheeling if you will in a way that i don't think most people don't like they don't think that's the right way to live and yet you do and it made you really really happy and yet there was always like this this sense of uh sense of the tragic if you will 
And so, so I get a text from you. What day did you find out? It was Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. So I, I get a text from Scott Collier. Ash Wednesday, the day after. Um, you, you had been sick. I knew that a little bit. You just weren't were feeling well. Um, they thought you would. They thought you had a stomach ulcer. A couple of doctors, two doctors said stomach ulcer. Um, and then you texted me. I, I actually should look at the text. And you're like, Father Michael Scott, I'm dying. Stage four cancer. Like the doctors gave me just a couple of days. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I went into your room, your hospital room. You were you were in the hospital, and uh, it was full of people, of course, and all your friends were over there. Um, thinking they were going to say goodbye to you. And, uh, and then I remember that when, I want to let you tell the story, but I just want to tell this part first. I remember that when everybody walked out and I was the last person in there and I was like, dude, Scott, like this is so fitting. <laughs> like like it, it could, that could have been so offensive. I was like, it is so fitting. It is so Scott Collier that, that, you're, that you're, you got stage four cancer and like you're going to die young. And I, it was, it was, it sounds so horrible to say right now, but like, if you knew this guy, it just, it just seemed like this is, people are going to write a book about you. And this is just some kind of fitting, startling, horrible, tragic end. But it somehow, because of just your attitude about life and the way you go about it, it just seemed like dying young would have been something that would happen to this young man. And I think that's actually part of the, what you might even call it frustrations now. But anyway, I'm going to hand you the mic. Okay. Goble can do color commentary. Um, yeah, we'll so, we'll tag team so it. You'll, you'll have the, so just like tell your story from like what what you found out, and then up through. Obviously, we were talking about miracles. So we like, hang on. We, so we know how the I mean, like, goes. can we figure out like where's this guy from? Who are you? You know, like sure. I'm gonna let you ask those questions. I'll give you the mic. Well, I mean, I just don't want to get to the tragic end, and then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> you know, we don't know anything. You don't know anything about this dude. I was born and raised in St. Mary's County, Maryland. Okay, forty five years old. Uh, young, up, 45 years young four, Yeah, 45 years young I grew up Catholic uh, Had a lot of a lot of depression and stuff When I was a young kid in grade school So that kind of made me kind of A little bit more religious A little more searching for the mm-hmm. for The deeper meanings of life uh, I had a teacher in high school Who was a, a Zavarian brother A teaching brother Whoa, uh, and he was what was his name? Brother Romuald so, Romwald Yeah, he, uh, he had a great influence on me So uh, naturally, in high school, I thought about joining the brothers, but they, you know, after Vatican II, they were kind of hurting. So I went to Virginia Tech, got a, a mathematics degree. Uh, and then you after, finished at Virginia Tech? Yeah. Halfway through, I spent a semester at Steubenville, but then I decided to finish my degree at Tech. So um, can you tell the story about how you went from Scott to Catfish? Because I love that story. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I, do you know I tried to do that, yeah, w- which we're going to talk about. It didn't work, yeah. So, uh... I was at Tech, and I decided to, to transfer to Steubenville first semester, and we were watching spring training, and I just, I said to my buddies, well, what if I just, if, would you guys give me a dollar if I gave myself a nickname when I got to Steubenville first semester? And they said, sure. So we came, we came up on, on Catfish because uh, he's a famous baseball pitcher. Mm-hmm. Catfish Hunter. So when I got Hunter. to Steubenville, I, I would introduce myself as Scott, but then I'd be, I'd be kind of a, with a bit of an attitude, I'd be like, but you can call me Catfish. And then uh, I thought it would go away, but after two weeks when I tried to call myself Scott, uh, no one bought into it, so I just ended right. up being Catfish. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, and do you know what nickname I tried to do the same thing with when I entered seminary? Because I thought that was such a great story. Flounder. As, as, <laughs> as incorrect. Right now you're 0 for 2. Do you remember, Olo? For those of you scoring at home, anyone? The answer is 
Old Hickory. <laughs> I, said, I, I introduced myself when I went to SY. I said, my name is Father, I'm named, not Father Nathan. My name's Nathan, but you can call me Old Hickory. I think I might have been able to get away with Hickory. Yeah, it would have been Hick real quick. Hick, yeah, which would have been cool. Yeah. But anyways, so I mean. So, so I'm, I'm cooler than you because I got the nickname to stick. So. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Um, so where were we? I don't. Where, uh, you were talking about your college. religious Zavarians. Yeah. So then I. So after then, after tech, I decided to get a master's at Steubenville, but I just wanted to go for the environment. And when I was in Europe, I ran into the Brothers of Saint John in France, and I ended up joining them. Uh, hmm. And then about five years out of that, I ended up leaving them. Went to Vail, Colorado, became a ski bum. Uh, met Archbishop Chaput, moved to Denver, met Father Michael Lachlan, uh, had a billion different jobs. And then uh, after about, when I, when I left the monastery, I promised myself I would try and survive because you're, you're kind of scared and it's kind of a, kind of a difficult thing. So after about 10 years of the same job, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, well, I've survived. I've kind of made it, but I'm not really living. So in November of 2016, I quit my job. I refinanced my house, cashed in my 401k, and gave myself two years to figure out the next step. And I took a year. I rode my motorcycle to Alaska. I did the Pacific Coast Highway, took a lot of naps, ate a lot of chocolate. Uh, almost died on the uh, Colorado Trail. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then uh, You almost died on the Colorado Trail? Yeah. Doing what? You want to tell it? Yeah. Well, so oh, so I, not hiking. This is no riding the motorcycle. So there was actually this probably this probably saved my life too. This, oh, this is probably another miracle because I I had just started to pick up motorcycles again and uh, and I like my, my, lifting motorcycles. Yeah. Is that like a sport or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, uh, riding them upside down. Um, and and so I like we kind of we're talking about motorcycles and things like that. And he invited me to do the, what's it called? The, the backcountry discovery route. Back discovery route. It's like from Wyoming down to New Mexico, all through Colorado, up through the mountains. And, um, and I wanted to go so bad. My brother had a KLR I could drive and I forget what kept me from going, but it was something. It, oh no. It was, yeah. It was the stupid registration on the bike. That's right, yeah. yeah. Canceled last minute. I canceled very last minute because I couldn't get the bike registered, and I it was this moment of kind of clarity of like if I I could get in big trouble not having. I mean, we're gonna be off road most of the time, so I canceled on this trip last minute, and then the next thing I hear is like Scott almost died. He's in the hospital like with pins oh, holding shoot. everything together. Yeah, I got thirteen screws. I shattered my collarbone. Thirteen screws shattered his collarbone, um, and you were there with what Dave Craig and. Kevin and Kevin O'Brien. So, like, so like they were doing this, and I thought, man, I, I, I had zero off-road skills at all. I, I would have been, it would have been horrible for me. I would have just been playing, you know, what were you guys are doing, and then the fact that you got in a wreck was. So anyway, yeah, that's. So a, you just confessed that you don't have on-road skills, and now you're saying you don't have <laughs> off-road skills. This is utterly humiliating, right? I'm going to so get you a bus pass. Father Mike needs Uber very bad. Yeah. That's right, bus pass, Uber. I'm going to put you in a, a Bjorn. All right, so, so uh, anyway, after 2016, that, you yeah, just so have I a quit. little... So I was a year into that, and I was uh, all that adventure, I kind of liked it, so I was trying to figure out what to do. So I was like, well, I'll drive a tractor trailer, because when I'm on the road traveling, riding somewhere, I really, just kind of, my mind's free, I don't have any issues. So I got my Class A, and I started driving a tractor trailer, but almost as soon as I started doing that, um, I just got brutally sick. I threw up like 32 times one night while I was like 1,200 miles from home. And then it happened again, and the third time I started to get sick, and I just quit immediately. Uh, went to the doctor, got got diagnosed with a stomach ulcer, and then 
that doctor was like, well, sorry, I can't help you. I don't know what's wrong with you. So I drove myself to the emergency room. I think it was Ash Wednesday. It wasn't. Uh, it was the day before or Ash Wednesday. No, you, because um, I was just looking at this. The so surgery I saw you. I on Friday, wasn't it? I saw you the day of the diaconate ordination, which was the 10th, Saturday the 10th. Um, and well, I either entered or I had surgery on Ash That's Wednesday. when you had surgery. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they, they kept me till about 3 a.m. They did a, the, before they released me, they were just going to, they were like, we don't know what's wrong. We're just going to give you more antibiotics. And the, the doctor on duty is like, well, let's do a CAT scan, see if there's anything down the bowels. And then um, about 3 a.m., I had the CAT scan. And then they, as soon as it was over, it felt like the whole hospital was kind of rushing into my room. And they started asking me all these questions. These two surgeons came in, kind of looked like, where's the briefcase? <laughs> they, they were in use. What is the square root of like nine? The guys that, they look like the guys that always done everything right in their life. And they were, Talking really, really quiet, really uh, uh, kindly to me, and they're like, "Yeah, you, you most likely have cancer. Um, we're going to operate on you tomorrow." Um, so then they brought me upstairs. They put a, a a tube down my nose, which is not a very fun thing to do. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, they opened me up the next day. They found a what they told me was a softball-sized tumor crushing my small intestines, and they said my entire abdominal cavity was caked in cancer. Um, so they put caked. Yeah, so they they said they did not expect to find that. Um, so they basically just show, so, so, sewed me back up. They put in what's kind of ostomy, so they they cut my intestines above the tumor, and they just kind of route your intestine outside your body. Um, and then they basically told me I, they didn't really doctors don't like to talk about it too much, but they basically between the lines they told me I was dying. Yeah. Um, but for me, when I woke up, I pretty much knew that my major issue in life was uh, was forgiveness, and I just had this crazy idea that. That's what was causing the cancer. It was more um, the physical was just kind of showing what was going inside. You already mind. knew that. I felt like it when I woke up. Yeah, it seemed like the biggest from the surgery. Yeah, um, and I immediately started working through those issues. Um, I had to call my parents, obviously, who I'd been estranged from for a while. Uh, we had to reconcile kind of on the spot uh, right there in the hotel in the hospital room the next day. Um, I think it was right before you came. It was the, the night before you came. Um, it was almost immediate. It was just pretty quick. Uh, I texted my, my best friend since I was three and I was like, Hey, I'm dying of cancer. I don't know what's going on. I think God's asking me to, to, to learn forgiveness and reconcile with people. Um, and then shortly after that, when I got released from the hospital, um, a priest you all know came and prayed over me and he, he has a lot of, uh, discernment powers. And he told me that he agreed with me. It probably most likely was forgiveness, and the people he had worked through, worked with in the past who had cancer because of forgiveness issues, if they found forgiveness, they were usually cured. So that was about a week or two after the whole did, thing broke. Did he give any explanation for that? Like, it's just forgiveness is normally associated with cancer? or um, No, it's just that, well, for me, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I've, I've been working with a, a, a doctor in Fort Collins, Dr. Kim, and her whole thing is that um, incarnate healing that your 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 physical illnesses are signs of spiritual issues, and if you can get back to the spiritual issues, you can heal heal heal, heal the physical. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like if you think of your digestive tract, um, it, it you you enter food in, and your body absorbs what's good for you and gets rid of what's bad for you. So I was doing the opposite. When you don't know how to forgive, you're kind of feeding off or living off what's mm, bad for you, yeah. and you're jettisoning what's good for you. Um, so that's why that's it kind of makes sense definition. to me that there's cancer in my digestive area, 
because I was doing the exact opposite spiritually, digestively in my spiritual life. So mm-hmm. if I just learn to digest properly in my spiritual life, then my physical digestive issues will go away, which basically is what happened. So, um, and for me, the big break was before that, I always kind of felt like it was up to me to forgive. It was like, I need to, I need to forgive or else I'm going to go to hell. It's like, you better, for, it kind of was like this angry God pointing his finger at me. You better hurry up and forgive, buddy, or you're going to go to hell. Um, and what I learned after cancer, especially with that priest who helped me out, was to get it all to Jesus. And so I took all my issues and I said, well, Jesus, I cannot forgive. Please help me learn how to forgive. So mm-hmm. I spent hours and hours and hours walking around Arvada, basically just saying that, say, Jesus, I cannot forgive. Please help me forgive. And eventually it slowly started to break down. And then I got to the point where I could say, okay, I forgive. So, but the, but the, the difference in that was that I put all the, all the work was put on, placed on Jesus' shoulders to save me from my situation instead of being mm-hmm. placed on my, mm-hmm. my shoulders to save myself from my situation. Yeah. So that's where everything happened. And then, so fast forward maybe six months, I was told that I was supposed to be, as the, I was, it was, it was diagnosed as an aggressive form of cancer. Wait, um, wait, before we get to that, can I yeah. ask a question about forgiveness? Sure. How do you know when you've actually forgiven? Because you said, like, I just kept repeating that prayer. Right. And then... Like eventually, it was like you felt something move, but well, you, you well, which the, is interesting because well, that's also well. Digestive. The difference the difference was from Jesus, please help me to okay, I can actually say it without saying Jesus. I can say okay, I forgive, and then I think you get to a point of compassion. Um, there's one person I'm still working on that compassion side of it. Um, it's you know understanding them from where they're at. Um, but it, but I'm definitely to the point where I can say I forgive. I release those all that anger and that that yeah. resentment that's. So that's the ultimately, or the first stage of forgiveness, the most important one is that you release all that anger inside of you. You no longer hold on, hold on to it. Um, before, for me, there was this sense of an IOU that I'm not going to forgive you because you owe me something, because you hurt me, you took something from me. And if I, if I forgive you of that issue, I no longer have this kind of debt card or this IOU, and therefore right. I lose. So forgiveness is like you get rid of that sense that it'll ever be made whole again. You're like, well, I'll never be repaid for whatever happened. I'll never, yep. I'll never get reimbursed for what exactly. that person did to me. Yep. So, and, and, so I would say to answer your question, forgiveness is releasing of that debt. Yep. Um, and yeah. then I think a second phase is that you come into some sort of compassion for that person, or um, or or, or you wish them the best, so to speak. Right. So, um, you know, like I said, there's still one person I don't really want to hang out with them, but I, I wish them the best. Mm-hmm. So, and my parents has come full circle where I. I really see the good in them. I wish the good in them, um, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I when I had to get to a point where I needed to be released of something like that, I was so angry that I said, am I just supposed to write a blank check? That's what I said to God. Am I just supposed to write a blank check and that's it? Like, they right. can they can do whatever they want and I just, I just release them of that. They have no idea how much that hurts me. And God was like, yeah. Right, yeah, you're letting me get away with it, yeah. You will never know how much, like, it costs, and that's pretty much an imitation of me. So do it. And once you get to that point, it's not like you you don't have a choice anymore. It's that God actually gives you the the grace to go through that door, and he walks through it with you. Um, but it, it is, yeah, it is, um, it is difficult. 
Yeah, but one thing I did learn, and I don't, you know, this is all me trying to understand it. I'm not a, I'm not an expert on it. But one thing I did learn was through the whole process is that I discovered that God is good um, in, in a way I never had before, in a sense that I believe that He is good, and therefore He must be want what's best for me, lead me to something that He must be leading me to something that's good, and He must love me. And one way I can explain it is that let's say if you take a kid's toy from him, he's pretty mad that you stole his toy. But if you give him a bigger, better toy, he kind of forgets the fact that you took his little toy. So it's kind of like that for me. Once I discover that God is good and God is love, I have this great, amazing treasure to pull from that can fill me. So I don't necessarily need to hold on to that IOU yeah. from that other person because right. it's all kind of trivial in a sense. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, the first key was to ask Jesus to help me forgive. Yeah. And the second key was to realize that, well, God's love is greater than anything, but not in kind of a... Uh, I mean that in a deep way, and, and to learn that inside of yourself, um, which are both miraculous in a way that, like, yeah. God actually is capable of allowing us to be released of our own sins, and He doesn't hold our offenses against us. But then He also gives us freedom to even do that for others. Yeah. So. Great. Yeah, and it was miraculous in the sense that it, um, I mean, it was stage four. There's no. The multiple but I doc- cut you off. You're no. Well, multiple doctors told me there's no, there was no medical cure. I even did chemo for a while, but they they told me from the beginning their chemo cannot cure cancer. Um, so the fact that I am now, and I have been told I am cancer free, that was in February. So the fact that I am cancer free is a, a miracle. Um, so what happened? A, med- when, a medical miracle. What happens when you went back in? So I mean, were they I, kind of still in hushed well, voices? Well, I, I kept feeling better and better, and they weren't going to do anything. They placed me in what's called palliative care, which just means you get more and more sick until eventually they they hot, they they put you in a clinic and they give you drugs so you die without pain. Um, but come around, this happened, and I was diagnosed in February. In September, I felt like a million bucks, and I climbed a fourteener. Um, yeah, right. So I climbed with a. So at that time, because I had the ostomy, I had to give, I had to feed myself an IV six hours a day. So I climbed a fourteen or with those IV bags. Oh. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I one, didn't go. Don't one worry. guy actually chewed me out because he thought I was trying to cheat the system. I th- he thought I was some sort of like, like I had access to IV bags and I was trying to trying to juice myself. I was juicing on the mountain or something. I yeah. Don't know. What do you think you, you so think you are? I, I, I wanted to kill him. So I had to, it took me twenty four hours to forgive him. So that was in and right. of itself, that was a, another forgiveness issue. I Did had you to, forgive him after you pushed him off the mountain? Uh, or I thought before? about okay. it. Yeah. The whole way down the mountain I was just I was like, where can I how can I what, this what man, is the you know? Oh my gosh, but, that's so embarrassing. If yeah. anybody if anybody saw Scott at the time of his, you know, like illness, I mean you looked horrible. Yeah, I was down to, I was below one forty, hundred forty pounds at one point. So um, but so I climbed that 14 and I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm dying anymore. Cause according to them, I should have been getting more and more tired at least by September. I didn't expect to make it through Thanksgiving based on what they were saying. Um, so I said, well, can I have another CAT scan? Let's see what's going on. I didn't expect them to, to agree to it, but they said, sure. And they told me after that CAT scan, well, it's either stable or it's shrinking. They said that they couldn't really tell. So that was kind of interesting for me. Um, I don't, you know, it wasn't growing. So I kept going, and then I we scheduled another CAT scan in late January. And when in late January, I expected them to say either that it's shrinking a little bit more or it's growing again. I didn't really know, so I prepared myself for both. And then after that CAT scan, they came back, and what what happened was I went to the 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 oncologist, and he goes, "Well, I'm really because so after they said it was shrinking or 
stable, I asked them if they could reverse the ostomy because to have an ostomy bag um, is just a, not a fun way to live your life. It's, I couldn't sleep at night. It was just a horrible thing. So I said, well, since it's shrinking, can you go in there and reverse the bag, reconnect my intestines, and if you're in there, why not just cut out that huge tumor? And he's like, duh. <laughs> so, and he was hesitant because when you're stage four, it's not really protocol to operate on someone who's stage four. It's just not for m- many reasons. Um, but that very weekend, his coworker had gone to a conference in Vegas about reversing ostomies and, and debunking cancer. So his, his, his work buddy was excited about trying it because he had just gone to a conference on it. So that was kind of a, a mini miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. So they decided to operate on me on October 9th, and they reversed my ostomy. They cut out the large tumor, um, and some of the, they cut out half my large intestines and part of my small intestines and my appendix because it actually started in my appendix. Um, so then... Going forward, I they said, well, when I, when I woke up from surgery, they said there's probably 50, maybe a little bit more, 50%, maybe a little bit more of the cancer still in you. So as of September, October 9th, I still have 50% of the cancer still in me. However, the doctor was very excited. He was like, it's shrinking from what from the first time I saw you in February. I was like, that's cool. So when I had my next CAT scan in January, I thought, well, maybe it's probably still shrinking or it's growing again. I don't know. But if, in January, when I went into the the oncologist, he, he came in and he said, well, the CAT scan looks great. I'm glad they were able to cut everything out. And I go, well, they didn't cut everything out. They just cut off 50, 50% of them. And he goes, well, there's no more cancer left in you. You're, you're considered cancer-free. So that was a pretty big moment for me. No treatment. No treatment, no. My last chemotherapy was April 26th of 2018. Um, and like February 5th or something, he declared me cancer-free. And that was... What's cool is that was a full year. So I kept, you know, when I kept praying, I was like, God, it'd be nice if, if you are going to heal me, um, it'd be nice to just have it a nice, a nice year, and then I could just write that year off of my life. Is <laughs> well, that was that was that year, <laughs> right? Which is, which is what happened. So I it was know. just about I, a year. So you texted me on February. 5th, I got hooked on Friends. Thursday after Ash Wednesday. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was a so it was a year of, a year of cancer. Um, now I'm still dealing with recovering from that last surgery um which is kind of annoying but it's nothing compared to what i went through and i don't i can't, I can't relate to anyone who has cancer now i can't really because I'm, I'm cancer free so i can't I can, a friend of mine said i can use the drop the cancer card for a year i can go to parties and not bring anything i go to people's <laughs> houses and not bring anything oh sweet but <laughs> but i but i am people cancer-free, think must so. think i have cancer because i do that all the time Right, so I've used that a couple of times. But, uh, I bring holy water, and I'm like, yeah. hey, is your house been blessed? And they're like, you blessed our house. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's all I brought. <laughs> well, I'm sure they've sinned since that time. So they're still they, right. They need a second. Right? Yeah. So what, what advice would you give for people who are praying for a miracle? Um, I, it's a, a weird question for me because, well, you know, you know me, Father Michael. I, you know, I almost, I, I was pretty happy with my diagnosis. He was I, happy to die, right? Because I, you know, to me, St. Paul says you got to run the race to to the finish, and I thought that was that was God saying, "Well, you ran your race, son. Um, good job. Um, welcome home." So I was actually pretty excited about it because I've always been told the beatific vision is pretty cool. Um, so, so for me getting healed, it's more like God's giving me more missions to do. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. I have no clue to do. But as far as someone else who, who wants to be, I guess, I don't know about miracle in general, but wants to be healed, it's all up to God. So you kind of, instead of putting, the, my issue was, instead of putting the pressure on myself, I put the pressure on God. So, um, And the amount of people that prayed for me was just astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, 
people were interceding, asking Solanus Casey to intercede, um, uh, Rhoda Weiss, who cured uh, Mother Angelica of cancer. They, a lot of people were praying for her. What's interesting is I saw a quote from Solanus Casey right after I was healed, and it kind of fit what I discovered about how God is good and hope and everything. So my guess is he had something to do with it a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I think it, it's all up to God. So um, if you really want like, to be healed or a miracle, just ask God to heal you if you'd like to. So because there's not much you can do about it. So what's the one thing that you wish you would have done in that year of cancer that you you're happy that you didn't do but like you you still might want to do during that year? Yeah, you were like like in this year I'm going to meet like oh, you mean like know. a bucket list kind of thing? Yeah. Um like did you did you want to get that Lilith fair tattoo? <laughs> no, like cause some. I mean, oh, I got the Lamborghini ride. That was pretty cool. So, okay, you know, I did everything I really wanted to do. It was pretty. I was. Did you get like a Make a Wish kind of thing? I never did that, but I, I did. A friend flew over from Australia and I and, and rented a Lamborghini. That was pretty cool. Um, and I went camping with some good friends: Kevin O'Brien, Jonathan Carlson, Dave Craig. That was yeah. That was good enough for me. I went dirt biking with some with some dirt bike friends. Um, it was kind of like supposed to be the last dirt bike ride. Last dirt um, bike ride. That was really neat. Uh, so I just did a lot of really neat things. I guess if I had a time, I would have flown over to Europe and said goodbye to some friends in, in Europe. But they all wrote me. So, I mean, everybody wrote me with, with social media today. Anybody can get a hold of you. So yeah. I even had ex-girlfriends that I you know, hadn't talked to since the day we broke up. You know, We contacted each other and, and um, had some really great conversations I would have never expected to have. Um, so it was, just, it was really an amazing experience. I had a kid I... I haven't talked to you since freshman year in high school. He He's in the military, and he called me and said, hey, you want a free helicopter ride? Uh, so, I mean, it, it was really amazing what happened. So, yeah. Um, I, I honestly, there's nothing that I regret or nothing I miss. Or, so, I, I, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost perfect. So, And even the way I came out of it, to, to go through life not having that anger, that resent me, the holding on to all those IOUs, um, it's a much better way to live. <laughs> so I'll walk down the street with a big smile on my face, and I was, it was rare to find that before. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah, and he mentioned, Scott mentioned before, that like so many of these things happened even around liturgical dates or right, even like, yeah. you know, dates. I of think certain. like Ash Wednesday, and then I think my first chemotherapy was, I think, March 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two or three dates where it was... It was right on the... Well, you just said October 9th. October 9th, isn't that... Um, uh, Father God. Well, I, for you, I thought October 9th was... Uh, oh, Divine Mercy, St. Faustina. Is, Is it really? That? I don't know. Could be. I feel like that's the sixth. On, on the Byzantine calendar, it's James Alpheus. Good old James. Whoa. <laughs> On the Byzantine counter, it's the fourth possible misplacement <laughs> and actual finding of the third head of St. John the Baptist. Is that the lesser? I always wanted to be Scott the lesser. But, Scott, mm-hmm. yeah. Scott. James the lesser. There are, there are multiple Michaels in the companions. I'll, I'll take Mike the less. I'll be Mike the less. Yeah. We'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. Yeah, so since then, it's, it, the, the, the year was... the. Uh, the Although stage four cancer sounds like a very horrible experience, it was probably the best year of my life in the sense that what the result that came out of it. Um, what people people 
the way people reached out to me, um, the getting rid of all that anger and mm-hmm. resentment, learning forgiveness. Um, yeah. Uh, it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was really great. Um, now I need to figure out what, what to do with the rest of my life, <laughs> but I'll figure that out someday. So, uh, anyway, my, my new plan is to sell everything and hike the Appalachian Trail and figure it out, but I need to sell my house first, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Have you put it on the market yet? Yeah. So oh, really? It's been on the market for a week, but it's kind of long for Denver, so we'll see. But that's my plan. If, if it sells, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. I'm gonna. Uh, I know a girl that literally just put a bid in on a house today. Really? Yeah. Well, so you, you should have told her about my house. I so. didn't know. I didn't know it was on the market yet. Well, it's it's pretty easy to find, so I'm sure they. Why don't you tell? Why don't you tell people about it? Whoever wants it, we'll get it. Well, so. what's the what, what's the you know listing? Is it on uh, Zillow? Uh, Redfin, I think. Redfan. Yeah, Redfin. Redfin. Yeah. Redfin. But I mean, it just says Scott Collier's house. No, it's uh, <laughs> Catfish's yeah. digs. So he survived cancer. The so. pig hole. Fifty six twenty two Car Street, Arvada, Colorado. Fifty six twenty two Car Street, Arvada, Colorado. Yeah, it's a sweet place, right I across heard, from a I've school. Heard it cures cancer. That's pretty much what it uh, cures cancer. Hands, yeah, the so. only problem is issues move by this house. Yeah. The only major problem is you're actually in Father Sean's uh, parish boundaries, not Father yeah, Nathan's yeah. parish boundaries. But you know, you can you can cheat and you can come to me. Yeah. He's okay with it. I've talked to him about it. So, uh, I just want to say one thing. Um, I, I really like how uh, when Father Nathan asked you, you know, what do you do if you're to pray for a miracle or for healing? Like, and you said just, you, you know, we're hand it over to our Lord. Like, he's the one that's going to do the work anyway. Um, because I think it's, it is important to say that, like, not all cancer can be cured by forgiveness, of course. But I, if you have cancer, if you have other things, you know, try it. <laughs> it's a virtue anyway. And, and this time it worked. And this priest that we're talking about, who we know, um, you know, the, there was a wisdom there that he even tonight when we were talking about, he's like, I don't remember saying that, you know, it was, it was like, it was the Holy Spirit, obviously, that we're working through him. But, um, you know, sometimes God's will is mysterious. Uh, we don't always know it. And he calls us on a virtue, obviously. And something about what this priest said to you was obviously from our Lord. And it was, it was a communication from him that you responded to in a very strong way. And, you know, you knew what that was. And that was probably the, the, what God allowed you to have the evil of cancer in order to undergo, you know, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. So, you know, I guess, I guess the, the, what I'm trying to say is don't judge people that have cancer of being, you know, lacking forgiveness. You know, that that's an important thing. I think we all know that, but still I think it needs to be said. The other important lesson we learned is if a dude is hiking a 14er with an IV bag, maybe you should just like not, yeah, not make fun of him or talk to him about, I'm going to, I'm going to use that picture for the photo for the, on social media. I love that picture. I, I like had that on my phone for a while. I was like, that, that is the most awesome. Though, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, that's in uh, a past love one. Okay. Yeah. There's a great shot if yeah. Dave Craig took something like that. You yeah. just hold this massive pole with the yeah. IV pole that's and like hike up the hill. Yeah, so we'll use that as a photo. Awesome. Anything else? Yeah, any last words? Uh, no, I'm pretty much uh, wisdom out. So. Any single ladies that want to, you know, uh, meet up on the Appalachian trail, you know, he'll need, he'll need some people to, uh, you know, share a, a little Debbie hostess snack cake with that'd be, that'd be every once in a while. Well, that's in that, uh, book, the walk in the woods. You haven't, yeah. you haven't oh, read no, that walk in the woods. Yet, no. So anyways, you know, if you're, if you're along the Appalachian trail and you're moderately, um, 
sane, you know. And that's a pretty low bar, but you know. We'll see. When do you start that? Uh, whenever I sell my house. So oh, that's right. If if I sell my house, if that's what God wants, right? So is there like differing views on like what you should bring or there's a pretty standard. It's like I think it's just the, the you go for as least as least amount of stuff as possible. So whatever you don't need, don't bring. So you stop along the way every four or five days and get get food. Um, you're supposed to get new shoes every 400 miles or so. 400 miles. Yeah. Okay. I'm starting north and heading south, uh, which the first 100 miles is called the 100-mile wilderness, and that's supposed to be the most difficult part. So yeah. if I don't make it out of that, then... Then, I mean, if the yeah. cancer didn't kill you, the that's grizzly right. did. That's so, embarrassing. But if I do make it through that, then I should be, should be able to make it the rest. So Maybe. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll see. I believe in you. I believe in you. Thanks, Father. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's an amazing story. I, I had the chance uh, just to kind of see him, you know, come for daily mass you know he just was right down the road and when he first got cancer i told everybody like please pray for this guy he's probably gonna die you know it's over like god is you know taking him for his many sins did you tell you him know? at least that i was a great guy where you're like there's this great guy who's dying did you, did you I use the words great guy maybe no, no. no I, I talked about you yeah okay, i did right, that's you know but so anyways people would come up to me later and they'd be like oh gosh how is that guy is he is he dying i'm like not really um i mean if you look he looks like skeletor in the back um like in the back he's the dude with the iv um yeah i would, I would do that I would, sometimes i plug in the iv before mass just to so get sympathy so more people would pray for me during mass right so oh yeah so i did that so yeah. then they so, then they uh, would ask like you know yeah. like six months after or whatever and they're like is he did he actually die i haven't heard you talk about him i'm like no he's still around he's actually right over there yeah so the worst part was that so i had three rounds of chemo and it caused my kidneys to fail so i had to go back into the hospital for eight days and they pumped me full of 13 liters of fluid every single day and after that, they're like, yeah, so we're going to have to put you on what's called TPN, which is tube feeding. So you, so Ooh. they're like, because you're not going to be able to eat. So for about a month, I would have to hook myself up overnight to a tube and, and, a, and a pump, and I would feed myself uh, that way. And that was just not very fun. So I, I remember coming to Mass with that one time. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm going to get some extra special sympathy for yeah. some people today. So, Is it like uh, Baruka? What's the name of that girl who eats the... The Bruca salt, where she eats the the gum, and then it's like going down. Does it taste like blueberry? No, you don't. It goes straight yeah. into it goes straight into your arteries. So you don't. You don't arteries? Taste, yeah, you don't. It goes. So I had a port. So on your Ugh. chest, they there's this permanent IV that goes straight into the artery that leads to your to your heart, and then they pump it through that. So and it doesn't even go into your stomach. No, so it just goes straight. So did you have anything going through your intestines for like nothing? No, for about a month. So. <sighs> But, but they, I, like, I gained like twenty two pounds that month. So how? So they took took me off it. Yeah. So how? Uh, it's just yeah. Just they they lots of calories. Oh so, okay. Yeah. So they were actually pumping you full of like yeah. you know chocolate shakes and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Directly into your arteries. The good stuff. Yeah, lots of carbs. All right. We're happy for you. Thanks. Thanks for being a believer. You know we actually I remember we actually asked listeners to pray for him. 
Yeah. We were in the studio in my in my in my rectory. I remember asking because I, I remember saying we were like discussing. I think you know one of us was going to celebrate, one of us was going to preach at his funeral. We literally talked about this on the podcast. What? Yeah. You don't remember that? We were, me? We were, you? Yeah, it was you and me. It was you and John. Were you and Father John were podcasting? Oh. I was off the side, and I was like. We were discussing like who you'd ask to do the funeral, who was going to preach. We were like discussing all the stuff of the podcast. We were like asking to preach. We I didn't think I was all, asked. All thought you were. To, uh, <laughs> I was. I was. Oh, gonna, sweet. I was going to preach, right? Or was yeah, I going to celebrate? I was going to celebrate. celebrate. Okay, I was going to celebrate it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we had all everything ready. Alter bros. Yeah. Anyway, thank God. Right. It didn't happen. Did you say on the podcast that he was a great guy? Yeah. Apparently, that's important to him. Yeah, <laughs> you're so humble, catfish. We so appreciate you coming on. So, uh, no, I get it. If you want, honestly, if you want further intel that his story is in the, the imprint, is that right? Uh, is that the name? I of think the, it is called. It's the the. It's the Sisters of Life magazine. Right, it's, I, I usually throw thing, that. Yeah. I usually throw a lot of these magazines away. But I've started reading them because they are good and they're inspirational and they have really good graphics. Like they do, the quality on these things are are getting better and better. And um, so I just was thumbing through it in the middle of my office, just kind of like, okay, is there anything worthwhile in here? And then sure enough, like the middle of the whole magazine is Scott. And I was like, okay, let's see what's going down. Yeah, that was my first photo shoot. I was very. <laughs> I've had photo shoots. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we will not talk about the photo shoots. Now that the That's right. National Catholic Register is going to do an article soon. I don't know when it's going really? to Really? Oh, so we're so. breaking the story before National Catholic Register. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Hey, spoiler alert, National yeah. Catholic Register, yeah. he's healed. Yeah. So, but theirs is going to be a perspective of other people, what their experiences were uh, of in relation you. to me yeah, yeah. as I was going through it. Sure. So, instead of, so it won't be about me. So Okay. But, do they want to talk to your pastor? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I, I good. gave her a list. It was up to her. So the sad yeah. thing is, like that story is going to come out posthumously because you're going to get eaten by a mountain lion in the middle of Maine. <laughs> That's right. So, um, uh, but you know, it'll be a great. Uh, you know, I great, think bears great can tell if you've had cancer, so they stay away. That's what I've heard. So, do you know that joke? No. This guy who's not a believer, he's you know just doesn't even acknowledge God at all. And uh, he gets attacked by a bear, and the bear is, like, right over him. He's getting ready to maul him. And uh, he cries out. He's like, God, if you are real, make this bear a Christian. And the bear kind of snaps his head, and uh, he kind of crawls away from the guy. And the guy sits up, and the, the bear is kneeling. And he looks at him, and the bear goes, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. <laughs> I almost told that, told that joke, earlier, joke earlier today, actually. Funny. All right, shout-outs, Father Nathan. I got one. Oh, shoot. Actually, I got... Okay, I'll do mine first. Go ahead. Right, we got a letter, a beautiful letter, and a box of homemade cookies. Agreed. Dear Father Nathan and Father Michael Lachlan, um, I want to introduce to you... Then they mention the name of their baby, who uh, I won't say the name on, on air. Um, the newest member of our family, thanks to the intercession of Madonna del Parto, which is Father Nathan's podcast, my husband and I had been blessed with easy conceptions our first three times, and after 10 months of trying, we were going to give up on our dream of a four-child four family when I heard your podcast. 
within the month of praying along with you on the podcast, our youngest was conceived. I had been meaning to send you some cookies within a reasonable time frame of his birth. He was born in October, but my husband was deployed overseas, and it took us some time to get on track as a family of six. I'm a longtime listener, and I love the banter. Please feel free to share these with fathers Mike, John, and Austin. I didn't mean to exclude them, and am also so grateful for you all. Um, and I am most grateful for your podcast last year. Um, then their baby is a blessing. Yours in Christ, Jen Gallen. Gallen, Gallo. Sorry, Jen. Anyway, um, and she, they sent family photos, which I love. They're from uh, Camp Lejeune. Yes. Um, and when I saw the box, I was like, sweet military. And then I thought, like, this guy's definitely going to get us bourbon. Because, you know, it's like military dude, whatever. And then it was chocolate chip cookies, which I was like, even better. Even better. So thank you. Family of the six of you. So thank you for sending the photos. We love them. Put them here in the studio. And thank you for the card. Um, (laughs) Okay, so while we were on uh, convocation and I had food poisoning, um, I I played Pinochle and was paired with Archbishop... As my partner, okay. versus two guys, Father Joe McLagan okay. and Father Derek Lear, okay. from uh, he's in the Vale Valley, Edwards, and I thought, oh man, this is great. Archbishop knows how to play pinnacle. I know how to play pinnacle. And these guys look a little shaky. Whatever. We got pistol whipped, like <laughs> so bad that they were like, oh, I mean, I think we have like. 20 points and then brady father brady who's not even playing the game is just looking at his cards and he's like um don't you have two pinnacles and he's like oh my gosh i have 30 more points that's crazy (laughs) and so we lost by a lot and uh so then father Derek said oh does this mean i get a shout out on the podcast and i'm like begrudgingly yes so to father Derek, uh who totally annihilated me uh, along with all the guys from the Joliet Companions who totally annihilated me in Euchre, you join an illustrious club of people that just love kicking my butt in, in card games. So, Father Derek, to you. He's only been ordained like two years, um, but uh, he's a good dude. So Did you that's call yourself a gracious loser, Father Nathan? No, no, no. My sister said, you are a poor loser and an even worse winner. <laughs> That was what my sister said. Oh, um, and then the other one was from a lady in Calgary, Diane in Calgary, uh, who got us some maple cookies. Ah. And um, yeah, thank you for that. Fitting for Calgary. I want to give it a shout out to Lisa Marie Hunt, our friend down in the Springs, who's a consecrated oh, virgin, yeah. one of our, our growing band of beautiful consecrated virgins here in Colorado. Uh, I just was able to have coffee with her the other day and catch up. And uh, and then she supposedly, she just texted me earlier today and said that someone, one of her friends from the Springs, came to my parish this morning and loved the Byzantine liturgy. So whoever you were at the parish, um, you didn't introduce yourself and she didn't mention any names, but <coughs> shout out to you for coming. And uh, always shout out to Lisa Hunt, who's one of our, our longtime faithful listeners and one of our favorites. So, All right. That's all I have. Hey, he's, he might have some. Shout out, you want to say hello to your uh, oncologist or your uh, gastroenterologist? No, I, I, want, I do want to give a shout out to Matt Ikniowski. We grew up together in Maryland, and he listens to your podcast faithfully. So, cool. Yeah. That's him? What's his name again? Matt Ikniowski. Is he married? 
He is. Yep, he has five oh, kids. Okay. He met his wife in uh, Appalachian Trail in Austria. Dang it! No, we studied together in Austria. Oh, oh my God! And, he, uh, and when we were in, when we were in Austria, he was looking for me, and he was saying, "Hey, has anybody seen Scott?" And they're like, "Who's Scott?" And he goes, "Oh, has anyone seen Catfish?" And they're like, "Oh, he's over there." So I won the dollar bet. So anyway, nice. I will say uh, today I interviewed someone for our youth ministry position, and he took 45 minutes before he admitted that he listens to the podcast, which like it was probably a good idea because if he had just fanboyed out, it would have been like, okay, dude, like, you know, slow down. But, um, but it's really funny. Can you tell, you can start to tell if someone introduced yourself, like if someone introduced themselves to me, I can tell I got off the bat if they, if they listen or not. Just like by the way that they're looking, by like their mannerisms, things like that. But they, they'll oftentimes not tell me until like later on the conversation. And I need to admit that I listen to the podcast. I'm like you could say that up front, right? I'm totally cool. so to Zachary. God bless you, man. You know who you are. Cool. All right. Any, anybody else? I mean, this is your this is your podcast. I mean, we're gonna call it like you know, healed of lameness. <laughs> the call to greatness. Also, he's a great guy. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy, yeah. Scott he's a great guy. Scott Collier, great guy. Lost on the Appalachian Trail somewhere. <laughs> Did anybody buy you like like a like a bottle of booze or whatever else, and then you just kept collecting all these, and then you have a great collection? No, nothing. No. Oh. But I did have people offer to like. Some people were like, um, "We'll give you donations like like three hundred dollars a month or something like that." And I thought about that because then I could just keep it going for the rest of my life. You know, tell them I'm not really cured yet. Maybe you know. <laughs> Still working on it, but, but uh, I didn't feel that. Good call, because you're a great guy. That's right, you're a great guy. All right, this is Catholic Stuff Podcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, set your watches because in a little under a month, Father John uh, makes his uh, return to Colorado. And you're gonna see a little bit of a shakeup on the podcast. Well, Mike will be back then too, right? We'll have all four of us in town for a bit. Yeah, he's, he's already back though. Every man. No, he's, he's Father Mike's in Italy right now, isn't he? No, he he's back. back? Yeah. Ow, never mind. Sorry, sorry, Mike. I thought I knew about your life. Lame, lame. All right. Yeah, thanks all. Alexa, play Catholic stuff you should know. Love y'all. Bye. Later's.